Aha, this is the Sports Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Booth, joined with my co-host and best friend, What's Chris, up? the CC Capel. And listen, we got a very special guest Absolutely. on the show today. Um, let's run through the accolades, uh, high school basketball coach, uh, former college athlete, uh, the youngest, at one point, the youngest head women's basketball coach in the state of California, which is a pretty large state. Wow. Yeah. And um, he's a man of integrity, and he's a wonderful father to my nephews, Joseph Cooper. Joseph, man, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, welcome. So, welcome to the, to the booth. Yes. Appreciate it. So we've been coming. So, okay, so we are coming to you guys live from the Outer Banks, North Carolina, um, where the weather, the weather is expected to be really beautiful, uh, but unfortunately it's been raining and storming all week. So we've uh. had some challenges, but we got some fishing in, we got some swimming in, and the seafood has been incredible, Chris. Nice, nice. And, and just to confirm, that's you two in the Outer Banks. That's not me, man. I, I, I wish, I wish, but... That's just you guys. And also, you're leaving out your birthday. How was that? Uh, it was good, man. It was good. Um, I got a sweet book. Um, it's called From Dude to Dad. Wow. That sounds it's, deep. Yeah. Sounds so, deep. yeah, it, I think it will be deep, man. So I got to do some reading because, uh, you know, Rand's got a, I got a baby on the way. Um, and then that's really kind of. I got a sweet pair of Paul George's. Nice. Which are really cool. Oh, uh, what, uh, what edition? I got some Paul George's. What edition do you have? To be honest, I have no clue. <laughs> do, They're do, black. They're black and pink and powder blue on the bottom with a do, zipper. Do they, do they say, uh, don't tell me sky's the limit because there's footprints on the moon? That's what mine say. No, mine don't say anything oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Nope. Well, um, hopefully you don't have a Zion experience, except I think the Zion experience, I don't think it was the shoe. I think it was a 285-pound man stopping uh, on yeah. a dime. So I don't hold that against the shoe at all. Hey, and listen, dude, I could definitely have that problem. <laughs> As a 285 dude stopping without a dime. Yeah, that, that could definitely be me. So I'm going to try not to ball in those. Actually, that's a little risky. You probably got a lot more muscle muscle than Zion does. So, actually, you should watch out. You I should watch muscle, out, bro. bro. I think muscle's being nice. Joseph, man, what's been your favorite part of the Outer Banks? Uh, just spending time with each other. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, being able to be outside much or just being able to watch the rain. Uh, just being around each other has been a lot of fun. That's yeah, cool. Definitely. Definitely. That's cool. All right, man, Chris, you got some uh, MLB news off the top. Yeah. Why don't you hit us with that? Yeah, jumping right back in it, jumping back in it. So uh, we've been mentioning a common, common topic in our Who's Fried section has been the MLB between the Players Union and the owners over these last uh, really two months since all these shutdowns started when they agreed to a deal back in early March, and now they've kind of gone back and forth on that deal. Well, Rob Manfred, MLB's commissioner, was on Get Up with Mike Greenberg yesterday, and 
let me rewind to last week. Last week, his quotes were 100%, we're going to play this season. Uh, just kind of giving off the idea that, they, that baseball needs to figure things out a little bit. But yesterday, completely backtracked on that and admitted that he is doubtful that the season will happen this year and that his quote-unquote um, adjective when describing the negotiations right now was oh actually I can't do quote unquote but along the lines of it was just it was messy it's a complete mess um, and since then a lot of the players have come out most notably Trevor Bauer Max Scherzer against their commissioner basically like you're so you're so sure of this last week but now you don't think this is going to happen you guys have any thoughts on the state of baseball and just this snowball of a mess that it's really turned into between the players and the owners. <laughs> Mitch I, is like Mitch is like I've heard this so much, dude. Like here's just, the thing, yeah. I have no clue, man. One, I'm not a baseball guy. I feel like baseball is kind of like a get off my lawn sport. Like okay, um, and so it doesn't have my attention anyway. And stuff like this just kind of solidifies that, where it's like just, in my opinion, baseball is like. Right now, it's a lot of rich guys in baseball throwing fits. Yeah, that's how I kind of see it. And what you were saying about viewing as kind of like a get off my lawn type of sport, this is a sport that doesn't have the star appeal as other leagues. A sport that attendances are dropping, that you know their TV audience is perishing. I mean, there's not. I'm kind of one of the outsiders that you know I, I really enjoy watching baseball, and keeping up with it, but. It's more so of our older citizens who watch every single game and keep track of every single game. And so for all this happens, how about in, in this terms? Uh, you made an agreement, agreement with somebody and, and you thought you had that settled only for that person to come back and say, oh no, actually that wasn't good enough. We're actually gonna lower the agreement that we made so that it's worse off for you. And at that same time, your boss, who's just kind of the third party of this agreement, just kind of says, actually, this agreement is probably not going to happen. And you guys are exhausting all of your efforts towards a goal that we're running out of time on. And um, and it's just, there's a good chance it's not going to happen. I mean, it's, it's got, it, you know, you guys at least feel a little bit of frustration in that, right? That's kind of, that's kind of boiling with all, all these guys. Well, I, I just don't understand what baseball players are, what they expect. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't understand what I, – I can't understand what they're expecting from Rob Manford, Rob Manford when um, they, they aren't being negotiable and the owners aren't being negotiable. So I think at this point it is smart for, for Rob Manford to say, listen, I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, yeah. Because he's not, he's not, he's employed by the owners, you know, to manage the league. Yep. And so he, he's not really a third party, but at the same time though, he's got to look out for the players too, because the players, he also works for the players. So, I mean, he's got it in both. He's like got a foot in each bucket, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And so right now I feel like he's a little stuck um, in, in terms of what, what to do and I think where this could head is him having to take take the lead action on this to 
to make to to come to a resolution here, but just overall, just messy situation that um seen messy to the public, but has now been confirmed by those involved that that uh who knows really at this point. So a little bit of sad news when it comes to baseball and our hopes of uh, of watching it this season. Yeah, there's just so much uncertainty surrounding the whole thing. I mean, going back to the coronavirus and, and all of that, you know, the commissioner's looking at it. It's, it's not just a simple let's get together and hammer this thing out. You know, there's so many other yeah. factors that he has to consider. And, you know, we mentioned it's kind of like for older guys right now, it's that older generation that enjoys coming to the games. Well, I mean, you got to think, too, I mean, that's that's part of the experience is being able to be at the games. And, yeah. and now with that in doubt, you know, where do you go from there? So I think it's just such a complicated um, situation and there's no easy way out. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, and I think that the people that would be going to the baseball games, too, are an older population that possibly mm -hmm. could be at risk. So that – putting you know having baseball games and them coming to them is putting people kind of in in jeopardy yeah. i mean i'm kind of I'm, my thought is listen if you want to take a risk like that then that's it's your life you know what i mean but um but i could see how the mlb would also be thinking from that angle too looking at yeah. their target audience yep yep you know we back in March, we we're hoping that this would be the first sport, especially the non-contact or less contact element of it, to come back. But for it to not, you know, I think they're really, really missing out on something uh, bigger picture here that that an opportunity to capitalize on. So, speaking of opportunities, you, you had some news on on Colin Kaepernick, Mitch. Yeah. So um, I read an interesting article uh, that Colin Kaepernick is. Uh, drawing some attention from teams and Roger Goodell came out and said that he would like to see, he said he would encourage the signing of Colin Kaepernick, which I feel like that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, he can't, like I said, we were talking last week, Roger Goodell cannot sign Colin Kaepernick and put him on a team. That's just an overstep of his power. All he could do is encourage that. Um, and so Roger Goodell came out he said, you know, I think I would encourage a team to sign Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and it and it seems to have gotten some traction. We talked about that uh, yesterday when Pete Carroll, uh, or the last podcast when Pete Carroll um, was mentioning uh, mentioning a coach asking him about workouts. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and so to me that that kind of just it's like trending upward toward uh, Colin Kaepernick getting signed. Um, and you already know where I stand on Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but he has really high upside. And so, um, like I said, if you could sign him at the league minimum, uh, I think that you have a, a greater return on the investment, if that makes sense. You have a greater chance of return from that because – I mean, who knows? He could go out there. He could be in the best shape of his life, and he could start for whoever he plays for. Um, and so, but you signed him to the league minimum, so you've not paid him a lot. But on the other side of that, you turn around, and um, if you sign him for the league minimum and he's terrible and he proves that he's terrible, then you haven't really lost much. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And you gain the notoriety for signing him. I hate for saying that, but that's kind of the way it is. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, what do you think on, on Colin Kaepernick's situation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a hard one. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that's been out of the league now a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was a starter in the league, uh, played well for the 49ers, and then, you know, he's just – he's not gotten the reps, and, and he's he's been at home on the couch. Uh, so it's tough to know what kind of shape he'd be in right now. And of course, you know, there was even a lot of talk last year and the year before that, you know, people had offered him the league minimum and he just, you know, he wanted more than that. Uh, so it's, it's hard to tell if he would come back for the league minimum, but like Mitch said, I think that, um, that the upside is high, uh, you know, bring, bring him in to be a backup and, and see where that goes, see what kind of shape he's in and see if he can contribute or not. Yeah, 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 I agree. I mean, um, I at this point, I don't know if I agree with the, the huge upside, but at this point, I just think of just like, one, I think it was huge that Goodell came out in su- support of teams signing Kaepernick. That's something we have not heard over the, these past four years. And I think that just reflects the major push that players have made to, you know, to show, to, for the NFL show, the, the world really that they're serious about this movement that's going on right now. And they're serious about uh, how a lot of people mistook Kaepernick's initial message. Um, but you know, I think when we talk about teams that could sign him, I really look at a team with a, with a quarterback set in place. Um, and I agree at, at league minimum, I, I want to break the bank for this guy at all, even with the notoriety that you're bound to get. Uh, signing him but I think having a veteran quarterback uh, on a team that is a contender but definitely has their quarterback in place whether it's Kansas City or Baltimore or Houston or even Philadelphia where he can offer that leadership and the experience Um, but he isn't exactly expected to play especially early on with them being out of the league for four years Um, I think that'd be his greatest value because this is a guy that went to the Super Bowl, had early success uh, in his in his NFL career. And think about the RPO in the NFL too. That Kaepernick was really at the forefront of that. You know, then we saw with RG, we saw uh, how RG three came in and just like Kaepernick really with Harbaugh and the Niners, he was really able to to um, to kind of transform that offense into RPO and show the versatility that can that team can have at the quarterback position. I, I think it was like, what was his first playoff game in, in Green Bay and at Lambeau? He ran for like a buck 60 or something. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, just just things like that. I just think he has a lot to offer from a veteran aspect. Um, and he could definitely, he definitely had a rock launcher for an arm. So I'm curious, what do you guys think about good landing spots for Kaepernick uh, if teams were to sign him? Uh, I like kind of like the Philly fit that you mentioned. I mean, it yeah. seems like Foles is hurt every year. Or, I mean, uh, Carson Wentz is hurt every year. Um, and so being in, being able to be with a supporting cast that will be able to come in and, and, and surround him and, and elevate him uh, where he doesn't have to do everything, uh, I think a place like that could be really good. Um, just a place, especially with all the notoriety that he's going to bring, that, that he's not expected to come in and play right away. Uh, being able to have that established veteran in place, 
um, somewhere like that. What about you, Mitch? Um, I would have to say, so I see a few different options that I could put him in. One would be, uh, one would be Baltimore. Uh, because that is kind of the offense that uh, we've seen him thrive in before. Um, I would say that he's pretty similar player to Lamar Jackson. I think he's a little bit more gifted throwing the football, but uh, I think he's probably about he's he's got a similar skill set. Nowhere near as fast, but he could come in, and if Lamar would get hurt, he could operate that system uh, yeah. pretty well. Uh, the second place that I could see him fitting. Um, would be Carolina since they had Cam Newton. Um, I think Carolina brings him in, gives him a crack at starting and sees where it goes. Uh, another team, and this is kind of off the wall, but another team that I feel like he could be really good at would be Detroit. Um, and I say that for a few reasons. One, because Matt Stafford is a uh, – he's an incredible leader. Um, he's an incredible quarterback, even though I call him Stat Pafford because he never <laughs> wins. Um, but he also has – there's also really good pieces around there, and uh, and Stafford struggled with injury last year. And so I think that um, having a veteran guy come in, um, be able to lead your team, uh, especially in, a, in an area like Detroit, I think that would be really a, yeah. a really beneficial signing for them. And the last place that I feel like I could see him signing would be Jacksonville. Um, because Jacksonville is without a true veteran quarterback. Yeah. Um, and there's no downside to s- signing him for Jacksonville. One, if you sign him, you have a veteran quarterback that could provide leadership to Gardner Minshew, which is really important. Uh, also, if Gardner Minshew goes out and sucks, like I think he will, then – um, you have a guy that you could put in there and maybe he can win you a few games. Um, if he doesn't win you games and Minshew doesn't win you games, then you still have a veteran leader for the next guy that you're going to get early in the draft, maybe a Justin Fields. So I could see Colin Kaepernick really benefiting somebody like Justin Fields because they yeah. seem to have similar play styles. Chris, what about you? Yeah, and going off of Jacksonville, I think, you know, also from a community aspect, their team owner, Shad Khan, was is has been very uh active in the in this movement against uh injustice. And so from a community standpoint, that can make a lot of sense. And um and I know I did say that I agree with I that I disagree with you on the high um on the potential, but I could be completely wrong in that too. This is a guy that's 32 years old. And we've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, what, 36 or so? I mean, a lot of these – Ben Roethlisberger, same thing. A lot of these guys are playing well um, into their 30s. And so I, I could be completely wrong on that. And uh, that could be the best thing to happen for a team. But I want to remind you guys about this Green Green Bay game, divisional game at Lambeau. Oh, no, actually it was in San Francisco, but still. Still, I mean. He, he threw for two th- 263. Ran for 181 and four touchdowns. Wow. Going so, off, dude. Yes. So, I it's mean. It's like college stats. Yeah. So, just like uh, – that's like your, uh, your road to glory guy in NCAA 14, man. Yeah, dude. That's, so, like, that's like some Troy Smith Buckeye stats, dude. <laughs> exactly. So Yeah. Wow. Uh, this, is, this is a guy that's 
he's proven he's done it before on the biggest stage and i think that could be beneficial for a lot of the teams that guys put out there a lot of the different situations you guys put out there well he could be a rallying figure i think when your team is down colin kaepernick's gonna be there listen whether you agree with Colin Kaepernick or not on the protest, I think what's important is that he has been vocal about what he believes in. And a lot of people in the league respect that. Yeah. And so I think that when you're down having a guy like that there that can say, Hey, listen, I've been here before I've done this. I've been down. I wasn't signed in the NFL. I was kept out. Now I'm back in. I didn't come here to lose games. Let's let's get this done. I think that I think that is powerful. I think yeah. that is definitely powerful. Yeah. And so I could see guy. I, I could see him being on the Ravens. I think that would be intense. That that would. You know, you you wouldn't be able to run the Heisman package though with RG three, Lamar, and Ingram. But uh, it'll be will <laughs> be a pretty good deal. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I'm personally rooting for him. You know, just you know, uh, standpoints aside, opinions aside. You know, this is a guy that four years later has just started. It seems to me has just started to receive. Um, the understanding from the public about, okay, we kind of get it now. And so for a guy that's been trying to get back into the league these last four years to be in an area right now where it seems like most people are on his side or at least understanding of his view right now, I, I'm just personally rooting for him to get a chance just to, you know, that's, you know, I, I know he believes in what he stands for, but at the same time, that's missed opportunities, you know, missed, you know, who who knows what could have been if, you know, if Kaepernick could have been in the league these last four years. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so let's skip the Bengals and Browns. Uh, yeah. We've got a basketball coach here. Yes. So why don't we talk basketball? Let's do it. Um, so Coach Cooper, man, uh, I'm really intrigued. Um, tell us uh, about some of the – about some of the best experiences you've had uh, being a basketball coach? Oh, tough question. Uh, best experiences. Uh, one of the best experiences um, was uh, two years ago, uh, being at, at High Point Christian Academy in North Carolina. Uh, we're playing Greensboro Day, uh, number one team in the state. And, uh, you know, Freddie Johnson's the coach down there. He's been there for over 40 years has over a thousand wins in his high school career, uh, sends, you know, division one athletes out every year. He had uh, Carson McCorkle go to uh, Virginia this year. Mm. He had Cam Hayes go to NC state. Um, he's got a guy that didn't even start is going to be a walk on at Duke. Um, just, wow. you know, um, just big time. And um, they were coming into us on a Friday night. It was uh, the week of spirit week. Uh, kind of the whole week was leading up to that. And we played it once already that season. And um, we got hammered at their place. Uh, we lost by 25 or 30. And, um, you know, having having this great Hall of Fame coach, he was also just named uh, Max Preps top 25 uh, high school coach this season um, wow. for a Lifetime Achievement Award. So uh, just having him in our gym and having our students going crazy and um, just the atmosphere was wild. And, um, you know, we, we went down to the final minute and a half and uh, were able to escape with a win. 
um, that was, that was huge. Cause it was kind of one of those years where, you know, you, you kind of, you've got a lot of, a lot of different egos, uh, on the team and for guys to be able for at least one night to be able to put their egos aside and come together for the greater good team over, over, over self was, uh, yeah. was an awesome experience. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's really cool. So, um, so with all the, the COVID, everything that's happened, uh, what's this spring semester look like for you at, like with training and contacting your players? Yeah, it's, it's been hard. Um, you know, it's hard because we've had no, there's no playbook for it. You know, mm -hmm. typically we go fall, fall, winter, spring. Um, and we have, you know, these things we do year in and year out, but you know, we're kind of just writing this one as we go. So with this spring, we've kind of just been, I've been checking in with my guys probably at least weekly. Uh, we've had some different uh, Google meet sessions with the team was we're trying to incorporate new guys into the fold and trying to create those relationships. I mean, we've got two guys coming in internationally this next year, one from Serbia, one from Bulgaria. So we're trying to get those guys connected in before they get here so that they'll feel welcome. Uh, we just started out workouts uh, at the beginning uh, of June or at the end of May. Uh, but those workouts are even a lot different than what we've done in the past. You know, we have certain restrictions on those. We're allowed uh, 10 guys max per workout, including coaches. Yeah. We have to clean the balls before and after. We have Jeez. to take their temperatures uh, before uh, the workout. We have to have them fill out information. You know, who, who have you been around and have you been out of state and just different things that we have a record kind of, of, of tracking of where they've been. Um, so we still can't even guard right now. It's just pretty much all drills uh, and workouts. Um, so mm -hmm. guys should be getting good jump shots. Guys should get, be getting good on their ball handling. Um, but it's been a lot different for sure. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let me ask you this. In terms of athletes uh, that you've coached in the past, what are some of the athletes, whether it's for um, just pure athletic ability, whether it's character, whether it's uh, just good team skills, uh, being a natural leader, what are some of the past athletes that you have had that have stood out to you? Yeah, so uh, one of the best guys I've ever had is a guy named Jalen Seegers. Um, he had over 25 Division One offers, um, just a, a freak athlete. Um, you know, he impacted the game in so many different ways, blocking shots, dunking the ball, uh, could shoot it, could put the ball on the floor, just made his teammates better, um, and, and a really good guy. Ended up going to UNC Asheville, and um, he's been doing well out there. Um, and then one of my current guys is, is one of my favorites as well. Um, his name is KJ Garrett, and um, he's just been through a lot. Um, mm. He had a, a, a he had to deal with the passing of his father this past fall, and um, you know I can't imagine going through that. And then on top of everything else, you know he's going through a basketball season where he's the point guard, he's the leader on the team, he's the most vocal guy. Uh, he understands the game probably better than anyone else. Uh, he understands their, his teammates' strengths and weaknesses and where to put them in a position to be successful. Uh, and you never know he was dealing with all that other stuff. It's kind of like what Kobe Bryant would talk about where he'd say, you know, this is my sanctuary. You know, mm -hmm. when I'm out here, nothing else can bother me. 
he kind of just threw all of his energy and attention into the team. Uh, and so that was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so think about the NBA and how they're about how they're attempting to resume their season based on your experience as a player and now as a coach, uh, what are some risks that you think uh, can happen with between ending a season or stopping a season and picking it back up two months later and still, you know, especially for a postseason uh, atmosphere? Yeah, that's going to be hard. Um, I mean, <laughs> think about the toll it's going to take on their bodies, um, just, you know, shutting everything down. I mean, I saw a picture of James Harden. And he looked like he was about 45. Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah. He's out running and he's lost, you know, like all his muscle and all of his oh, strength. Wow. And um, now all of a sudden, you know, you get that phone call and all of a sudden it's back to the training grounds and trying to put all that muscle back on. And it's just such a big shift for your body to, to, to go through. And then, you know, to finish up the regular season and then go on to playoffs. And then I'm concerned too about, you know, when they're starting back after that. Yeah, about a LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, making a deep run in the playoffs, maybe winning a championship, playing all those extra games and then coming back, you know, October, November, maybe December, you yeah. know, going for another 82 game season or maybe a shortened version and then another deep run in the playoffs. So it's just a lot of wear and tear uh, on the on the players bodies, certainly. Yeah. So, okay, let me ask you this. Since we talked about – since we bruised into the NBA, um, I know I've heard a lot of people say that um, the 2020 championship, it will count less than a normal championship. Um, there will be – I guess there will be an asterisk beside 2020 – if LeBron James or or who Kawhi Leonard or whatever, if they go out and they win a championship this year, Joseph, do you think they will be looked at? Um, do you think this championship will be looked at as less um, less meaningful than other NBA championships? I do think it will be, but I I disagree with with the fact that it should be. Um, I mean, this this is should be even count as more, in my opinion. I mean, to be able to like we, we were just talking about, you know, go from a, a complete season almost to now a dead stop and then a restart again. Uh, I mean, that's going to be hard. And and now, um, you know, it, you've got so many different factors that you're dealing with. You know, you're being now isolated in Florida. You don't have your family there. You may not even have guys that are injured like Kyrie Irving. Uh, I know he's fighting to be there, even though he's injured and not able to play. So you may not have, you know, all your guys. It may not feel like the, the normal environment. You're not going to have the fans in the stands, you know, encouraging you and being loud. Um, so, um, unfortunately, I think it, it, it will have an asterisk. But, um, yeah. what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, I initially came in believing that, um, in my opinion, it would be looked at a little bit less because there's a discontinuation and who knows what could have happened within these last 20 games and, and teams aren't on the, uh, on the rhythm that they, that they would have been on. But, yeah, kind of like what Mitch said, just like the ability, you know, we are really going to see 
the strength in coaching and in training uh, and, and just veteran leadership all, all the way around for this, uh, for this postseason, for this resumption of play. Um, and I think that that's going to be very impressive. If you ever can pull this off, um, break the side, get back to, get back to their focus and, um, and pull this thing out. Now, maybe I'll think differently if, if the NBA finals game seven score is, you know, 50 to 45, because these guys <laughs> haven't been shooting the rocket all this whole time. And it's just, and it's just a mess. And it's a matter of, uh, of who scores the last basket, but um, I think it'll be really impressive if you ever can pull this off and make a run despite all of this going on. I think you have to watch in terms of this, um, in terms of this postseason, I think you're going to have to watch the coaches that are the most experienced, maybe not the players, maybe the coaches. I think that's what's going to be really, um, which team has the most experienced or smartest coach? and which team has the most veteran presence to it, I think that's really going to be important because it's those veteran guys that are going to be able to say, hey, listen, we've got to execute. You know, I don't care if you're out of shape. We've got to execute. The coaches, they're going to be the same thing. They're going to push players to execute. And uh, and so I think that, you know, watch, watch Brad Stevens, watch Popovich, watch – um, Doc Rivers, uh, watch those guys and and see um, see what they're doing, uh, and watch the older guys like LeBron James. Um, watch those older guys that that kind of had have led the way um, to to what the NBA is now, um, because those guys their attitude is listen I I don't have a lot of time left I've got to win a championship, so. That's, yeah. in my opinion, is there going to be an asterisk? Um, yes. But I think, like Joseph said, I think that this is going to be tougher. You know, in a baseball game, there's a two-hour rain delay. When a team comes back out after a two-hour rain delay, it, that win is not looked at as lesser of a win. Yeah, you know? That's a good comparison, yeah. It, it takes, like, really veteran leadership and really good coaching to say – like, okay, we've had a delay. We've been waiting. Now it's time to get back into the game. We've got to get back into this game mindset and go out and play. And I think that's the same thing with the NBA right now. Yes, the season stopped, but you have some time to prepare your body for that. And now it's, time, now it's hey, it's time to get back in and, and get back to work. Yep. And, I, man, I hate thinking about Randallays and baseball because it just takes me back to 2016 World Series, Game 7, <laughs> Indians are on a roll, man, and then that rain delay comes in, which is kind of my counter-argument to that because, I mean, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm very biased, but, I mean, just the general sports media was also discussing this at that time that the Indians were on a roll. They came back late in that game, then that rain delay happens, and then they can't get another run across the plate. Uh, and so – who knows, you know, it was pretty obvious that that might have played a role in take, taking them off the rhythm, which, again, might be with these teams. Could they, could they be off the rhythm? Now, the top seeds, you know, we won't, we won't be questioning that too much if it's Milwaukee and the Lakers in the finals or even a finals matchup between one through three seeds. But um, 
I like to put LeBron kind of outside of this conversation because he's a complete freak. And we know that I'm pretty sure he'll I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's never gonna retire. I think he's just gonna die on the court one day. Just just because I've always said that until he got that championship in Cleveland, I thought he is not gonna stop until he wins the ship. And I think that could be him again. I mean, you and Patrick Beverly came out and say, you know, LeBron said we're hooping, we're hooping. You know, that's this guy is ready to go. So that guy's just complete freak in his own right. Uh so speak speaking of NBA players coming out. We've had recent news headlined by uh, Kyrie and Avery Bradley that, you know, whether for various reasons, whether it's the social justice movement or uh, ticky tack things such as insurance, we've had, we've heard some NBA players voice that they might not want to continue the season uh, a month from now. What do you two think about NBA players coming out and stating that whether it's Kyrie saying for social justice reasons that's larger than basketball right now and and they shouldn't be playing right now, or whether it's these negotiations over their insurance policies because they're going to be isolated and what happens if they get COVID in a state, this is, remember, planned in Florida again, in a state where the numbers are going back up. And just today, uh, I believe it was today, but Things are they're starting to shut down again a little bit. So, what do you guys think about these these players voicing their uh, potential not wanting to continue the season next month? Listen, um, yeah, I understand that social justice stuff is is going on. I, I side with with social justice. Like, yes, Black Lives Matter for sure, a hundred percent. I completely agree with that. But but listen, um, unfortunately. Um, you still have to go to work. I mean, yeah, social justice is, is going on. But if I were to say, you know what? Social justice is more important right now than, than adoption, then I wouldn't have a job. You know what I mean? And so social justice to me is not an excuse to not go to work. You know I mean? Yeah. That's, um, that's a good point. And I, his point was that if NBA picks back up, this whole movement, it's not going to be the center of attention. That was his point, that the NBA is going to leap, leap this movement where he believes the attention should be on, on this movement, which, which is valid. Uh, but that's a great point that it's, it's your job. And, um, and yeah, think, if either of us were to do that. I think it was Michael Wilbon um, wrote an article today in the paper that I read said um, he actually kind of like Mitch's argument with work uh, being at work, but he said even more than that, um, just being able to uh, be there with all those television cameras. I mean, there's no audience. So literally you have all sorts of microphones in your face all the time. So he said, you know, as far as social justice goes, I mean, you're only letting that talk die down if you let it. Um, Mm. I mean, you can keep that that conversation yeah. going. Um, so he said, you know, go for it was, was his take. And I, I kind of agreed with that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I, I have a feeling here sooner than later. We'll see. We'll be hearing more about this. I know Kyrie's been on conference calls with players uh, kind of discussing this mm-hmm. and seeing what their course of action uh, should be. And one thing to consider is this is Kyrie who is injured. 
and not planning on participating in the postseason. So we'll see uh, how some of these contending teams and more so the leaders and the superstars what their opinions are on this. Yeah. Well, and in terms of COVID, I, I here's the thing. Um, in terms of COVID, listen, when we, re when we reopened, we knew that the numbers were going to go up uh, because you, you, it's, a, it's a virus. It's here. Um, it's probably not going away. Um, also, there's been um, huge strides in terms of, uh, in terms of testing. Uh, and the more uh, methods of testing that we get approved, uh, the more symptoms trackers we have, uh, the more antibody tests we have, the more accessibility we have to testing, the more the numbers are going to rise. Um, we also see, you know, like uh, Moderna, uh, Novo, um, uh, Viking Therapeutics. There's just a number of therapeutic companies, um, and Vac, Dynavax. Um, they're all coming out with these vaccines uh, and testing these vaccines. Yeah. And actually, uh, Innovio and Moderna um, have, they have had a, um, an approved vaccine that is done well in trials against mice. So, so we're seeing a vaccine uh, quickly being made kind of before our eyes, especially me since I'm in a stock market uh, I'm always watching this stuff because anything, yeah. you know, like, dude, if they I, came out with a vaccine for COVID, that would make a killing. Well, I was I was laughing because I once started listening off those companies. I was like, he, he's going to get the stock market in here somewhere, <laughs> so, somehow, somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so keep letting us know about those, man. Let's we, yeah, we got. Sure. We gotta get we gotta get that own section here on the show, okay? I I I have nothing to offer for that, so that'll be your lead oh, your good. lead in that section. So speaking of putting stock in uh, in things, Madden covers. Uh, Mitch, I understand covers. you want to do something Madden covers. You want to? Yeah. So play? I brought so I brought this up to you uh, via text message. Um, it's been announced that Lamar Jackson will be the 2021 uh, Madden cover athlete. Um, and so in honor of Lamar Jackson, uh, each of us have prepared a list of five Madden cover athletes that we think are uh, the standouts. So we'll start with number five. We'll go to number one, one being the best, five being the, the least best, I guess I should say, because they're all good because they're Madden cover athletes. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, since Joseph is the guest host, it's his first time on the podcast. We will let him go first. Uh, then Chris and I will go last. So. Right, and, I, and I do want to clarify, my list is my personal favorite. Oh, okay. Uh, at cover athletes. So I, I do want to, I do want to throw that out there. That works. All right. All right, Joe. All right. So uh, number five, I've got Troy Polamalu and Larry Fitzgerald. Ooh, those are nice. good ones. Um, I thought that was pretty cool having, you know, the best defensive player in the game at the time and the best wide receiver at the time, you know, kind of head to head. Usually with Madden covers, you get one person uh, and they're kind of fighting over it. So to have offense versus defense. Yeah. Uh, 2014, the 25th anniversary edition with Barry Sanders. 
Uh, I mean, the GOAT. Um, <laughs> it's tough to find another running back like him. Yeah. Uh, 2012, Peyton Hillis. Uh, yeah, I figured that'd be popular guy. with the Ohioans. Oh, yes. Um, enough said. Uh, 2019, Antonio Brown. Uh, that was probably mm-hmm. the biggest surprise. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of like he got that Madden cover and then, you know, yeah. the wheels fell off um, yeah. with the helmet and different mm-hmm. situations with the Raiders and all that stuff. And then uh, the the best cover is uh, 2004, Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, you hate yeah, playing against him in that game. Uh, it's oh, the ultimate cheat code. Uh, that 99 overall speed, uh, it speed kills. It's nuts. It's nuts. I like that. I like that list. We got. We definitely have some similarities. Uh, I went number five for me uh, this year's edition with Lamar. That's the player. These first two players are just guys that I just really enjoy watching. And Lamar Jackson is a player that already just through one year, I just I just enjoy watching a ton. He's electric, and um, and yeah, I I really he's one of my favorite players uh, right now. Number four, same thing. It's the 20 edition with, with Pat Mahomes. Um, again, those are two guys that I'll watch their games just solely for the purpose of watching those individual uh, quarterbacks and how they can take over a game and just pull the amazing out of nothing. Um, as with Lamar's breakaway speed and elusiveness. And then with Mahomes, just dimes. Uh, so those, those are my five and four. Number three, I mean, Fitz and Palomalu, uh, the 2010 edition. Again, like Joseph said, you know, two elite players battling against each other, two Hall of Famers. Um, and just, you know, I know I know we don't like the Steelers here, but, I mean, two guys that have just done it right their their career. I know, Mitch, Mitch you think Palomalu's a little dirty, don't you? No, I like him. I oh, like okay. it, it was somebody else then. I thought, I thought it was somebody else then. It was somebody else then. I'm glad I asked you then. I think it was Geierman. Geierman? Andy. Oh, oh, Andy. Andy thought Paul Mal- Yeah, we'll have to ask him about that. But I thought that was an awesome addition, uh, especially getting the, those two guys on there. My number two is the 04 with Mike Vick. Same reason, man. Like we all, we all have those number. All those, oh wow, two. That's back there. We, we all have those. Well, wait for one. We all have those memories, man, of just. Mike Vick just tear like us being torn up or just tearing up our friends right. with them and just nothing, absolutely nothing he can do. Uh, a couple of uh, honorable mentions I had: I, Megatron, 2013. Dude, this guy was a beast. I mean, you want to talk about? He went before Matt Stafford got there. He had 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, with between three quarterbacks split in that season. And then he got on the cover after his 1,900-yard year. 122 receptions, just completely unstoppable. Uh, and then you also, and then Man 20, I had to give a shout out to them for their new power ups. That yeah. was awesome. You know, really differentiating the superstars from everybody else. Give them the, give them you the, get Man 20 yet? I haven't yet, man. Quit I, dodging I me, bro. Quit dodging me, bro. You're dodging me in 2K. Face me in 2K. All right, all right. Listen, I'll get 2K when you get Man 20. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. See, see how that worked. I, I had to get a man twenty first because Mitch Mitch won't play me in two K, so I had to All make. Right. It first. All right, I see you. I see so, you. So, uh, so yeah. So my number one, Peyton freaking Hillis, man. I mean, <laughs> Peyton Hillis, the guy. I mean, we remember that season. First game, one hundred and eighty yards against Baltimore on the ground, going nuts. The the only the second player with 
over 130 rushing yards in the game, three rushing touchdowns, 60 receiving yards on one game. And that's kind of the – it's kind of funny how sports can get that specific. But, you know, nobody else has done that before. Seven uh, – over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns. Peyton Hillis, man, I mean, you got to love it. Absolute tank for, for that season. And as you know, go Brownies, he's number one for me. All right. So, um, okay. Wow. That's, those are good lists. And I'm going last, so I've got to, like, really step my game up. Um, so, number one – or number five for me, um, I'm going to go with the uh, throwback to the Ohio guy, um, Eddie George, one of my yeah. play, favorite players of all time. Um, I'm also like a low key Titans fan. So, um, and, and we mentioned him in my top uh, t- 10 favorite players of all time. Um, yeah, Eddie George. He's a beast, man. Dude's, dude's nuts. Yep. Um, and if it weren't for that one, one yard, dude, he, he would be a Super Bowl champion, I think. Um, so, number four for me, uh, I have to go with. Um, I have to go with Megatron, man. Megatron is really cool. Nice. Um, he's a he's a Hoff for sure. Uh, retired yeah. a little bit too early, um, but I remember him. I remember watching him at Georgia Tech, man. And yeah. uh, that dude was going off in a in a system where they would run the ball four hundred times a game. <laughs> you know, he might get the ball thrown to him like one time, but he was going to catch it for a touchdown. So, um, and then just watching him do his thing in Detroit was incredible, especially after they acquired uh, Matthew Stafford, who, listen, Stafford's a good quarterback. He just can't win big games. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Number three, uh, I liked – this is just from a pure look standpoint. Um, I've got to go with the GOAT, Tom Brady, man. I love the look of that. Um, I I just love, like, the look of that cover where he's like – just shouting like he just scored a touchdown or something. That is sick. Like, yeah, dude. So, um, number two, I've got to go with Odell Beckham Jr. I love that. I love the Madden cover because he's got his hand back going for the catch. Uh, I think it's one of the coolest looking Madden covers that I've seen um, in history. Uh, and number one for me. Uh, without a doubt, one of the cool, like one of the coolest running backs that I uh, have ever seen is Sean Alexander. That dude wow. was a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 would truck you, he would juke you, uh, he would block you. I mean, there's not anything that the dude could not do. And uh, so, a little bit of a sleeper, but I, I loved that Madden cover. I thought that was really an appropriate pick. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was an absolute beast, and I gotta agree with the with the goat edition too with Brady. That was sick. Um, they, they completely whiffed on the uh, on the on the my story mode. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I haven't even touched that. I've heard so bad. Oh, like it's you, terrible. You can't even change the name. You what, yeah. You just go until the draft, and you, then that's the that's the end of the story. Yeah, it's not even your story. <laughs> somebody else's story entirely. I. Madden, like, if Madden made a, like, My Story 2K version, that would take over, dude. 
You know, I love playing man career modes. Um, I, I wish they would pull that together. Well, like the NCAA career modes, like, like those were so good because they were so interactive. Like if you were a coach, you had the coaching carousel, you had an opportunity to like move up to another division. You have so many opportunities. Like you could get fired in that game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, it's really, it's an incredible experience. And the, and the, my player in that, uh, the, yeah. the, what is it? Road, Road to glory. Road to glory. With, uh, That's with, incredible. With, with, uh, with Aaron Andrews. Uh, yes. But what, what, what kind of frustrates me is I had Madden 05 for PC, PC. And like your background changed as, for as well as you play. So like your first, like, it was like, it was like an apartment background. You guys know what I'm talking about? PC yeah. might have been different than console. I'm not sure, but it was like your apartment background. Then once you like hit it big, like your background was a mansion. And like, come on, man, you got to pull hard. this stuff together. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that goes hard. Like we should definitely be doing more of that. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, I think we're winding down toward the end of the show. Um, it's kind of been a shorter show, which is actually uh, kind of sweet. So, yeah, um, so uh, let's get into what we're what we're going to talk about tomorrow, and then after that, we'll do our Who's Fried segment. Um, so tomorrow, uh, I just want to talk with uh, Coach Cooper a little bit about uh, his scheme some of the players that he has coming in um, this year, what his expectations are for the season, and maybe talk about his favorite NBA players. I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, and then and then we could obviously uh, touch on the Browns and Bengals a little bit and then maybe uh, continue monitoring what's going on with the MLB if there's anything that's different. So uh, two back in um, for our Friday show. Uh, it's going to be incredible. We'll still be live from the Outer Banks. Um, it'll be it'll be awesome. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, every day we kind of surprise you with this, Joseph. But every day, every time we do this show, uh, we end the note with one person in sports who is completely fried, completely out of their mind, completely nut. Like whether it's like a terrible take whether it's an awful quote, whatever it is, we, we find one person that's fried and, and we fry them. Yep. So, um, so we'll let you go last. So you have the time to think about it. Cause we blindsided you on it. Uh, Chris, who's your, uh, who's fried this week? Well, this one's easy for me. It's repetitive and it's not GMO. It's not GMO. That is also another easy pick there. Uh, but it is, you know, this baseball stuff, man, you know, I've been saying it this whole time. These guys are completely fried. And now and now it's becoming emotional. Now it's, you know, oh, you're backtracking on this guarantee that we're going to be playing. Now it's all over Twitter. The emotion's all over Twitter. And she's going to backtrack even more. Uh, and whenever you do land a deal, if you land a deal, it's going to be back to where you started in March. So MLB players, owners, commissioner, you're, you're all completely fried. Uh, you guys go capitalize on this. You guys can be starting right now. Had your train, had your spring training all done, and uh, could be really reaping the benefits of being the first sport back. But instead, you guys don't keep arguing and blasting each other publicly. So 
Uh, MLB, you are fried for me this week. All right, listen. Uh, okay, my who's fried is – it's going to be a self-nomination. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> last year uh, I was playing my nephews <laughs> and, uh, and I beat them – uh, 99 to 24, um, and and they talk about it every day. Okay. Every day. And uh, <laughs> but today was a day of reckoning uh, for the Mitch Booth dynasty. Oh. Uh, because my seven-year-old nephews have finally uh, gotten their first W Dang. against Uncle Mitch. Um. Which one was it? They're John. twins. Sorry, John. they're twins. So okay, so I was playing John, <laughs> and uh, and he was the Chiefs, and I was. I even forget who I was. It was that fraud. Yeah, like, you, you just blocked it out Redskins. that quick. Huh? I was the Redskins, and he was the Chiefs. Okay. And uh, dude, he beat me by nine points. Dang. It was not like. And it was not like it was even close, dude. It was not even close. Like, um, and, and it was funny because, actually, I had just played him before we came to the Outer Banks, and he was beating me by one point, and he threw an interception on, like, the 10-yard line, and yeah. I took it back for a 103-yard interception yeah. return for a touchdown. That, that's clutch. Yeah, and I ended up beating him by six, and he was so close. And he was like, I'm going to beat you this week. And oh. I said, no, you got a long way to go until you're ready to compete <laughs> with Uncle Mitch. And, uh, no, he thrashed me, dude. He Dang. thrashed me today. So, shout out to John. Um, yeah, he played with he played with the uh, he played with the Chiefs, which I think is a little bit of a cheat code, but it is what it is. And he got a little help from the glitches. <laughs> got a little help from the I'm just, I'm just hearing excuses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm also hearing that I should probably be getting a, a parent of the year award because really it just means I'm letting him play too much. <laughs> yeah, he's getting too good at the game. <laughs> there you go. All right, Joseph, who's fraud, man? Oh man, you caught me off guard. Um uh let's go with let's go with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Oh, um, and I'm yeah. just I'm just sick of Kyrie. Um <laughs> You know, he wanted out of Cleveland because he was tired of being LeBron James's sidekick. You know, yeah. I think he kind of ruined uh, possibly more championships in Cleveland. He had a great situation. Then he gets to Boston and he becomes a cancer almost immediately. You know, he sign. He says he's going to sign long term early on in the season, yeah. and that quickly changes. And he says, you know, I'm not commenting on that until the end of the season. And then, of course, he walks at the end of the season there. And now he's in New Jersey, and he's supposed to have this perfect situation. And then Coach Atkinson gets fired about halfway through the season. He's he's injured, and then he's not injured, and then he's injured, and then he's not injured. And, uh, now he's speaking out this week on on the strike, and I'm just I'm just done with Kyrie right now. I think um, the fact that he's not even going to be playing in the playoffs, uh, I think he's fried. Yeah. Yes, he's definitely fried. He's fried for leaving Cleveland. 
Uh, he's fried for doing that to Boston, man. I know Boston's got a special place in your heart, Joseph. Uh, yeah, no, Kyrie Irving, you are fried always. Yeah, and he yep. said the Earth was flat. <laughs> Agreed. He just he just seems like an odd cat, man. He just he said some weird weird stuff. So I, I agree with all that. All right, guys. Hey, it's been one heck of a show. Uh, it's been a pleasure being on here with you guys. Um, yeah, tune back in uh, on Friday. We're going to have a yeah. great conversation with, uh, with Coach Cooper. And uh, have a great week. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys later.